I'm on. You're live. I'm live. How's everybody doing tonight? Is there anybody out there? Who do we got on so far? Uh, Matt, so far we have your mom. Oh, hi, mom. Looks like you're the only one that wants to listen tonight. <laughs> I, I assume we're going to record this too and stream it. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so mom, if you uh, have any comments or anything, feel free to send them over to us and they'll be read to me and I'll try to respond to them. And uh, as anybody else comes in, guys, let me know that I, if I have any more. Mike and Sue are online too. Mike and Sue. Good, good evening, Mike and Sue. Good to see you guys. It's good to see everyone. Well, I can't see you, but it's good to know you're there. And uh, Steve, I'm doing okay on the camera so far too? Okay, this is probably as far as I'll go. Your mom okay. says she sees Gary Foreman too. She's, Gary Foreman's here? Gary Foreman's online too. Oh. With, with his pet alligator. <laughs> okay, well, this is really awkward because I'm teaching to the invisible class, but we're going to go with it. Tonight, tonight I wanted to uh, share some thoughts with you based on what's been going on in my life. Um, uh, what's been playing on my mind and my heart and uh, kind of shy away from some of the other stuff like we talked about on Sunday uh, as we uh, think about those things and, and kind of process those things to ourselves right now. Um, I just wanted to shift gears because I still, again, I want to go back to that idea that we are in this spiritual warfare and that, that, that the, the battle that is raging every single day is not really of flesh and blood but it is of good and evil. It is of God and his mighty army of righteousness and, and Satan and, and, uh, and the demons and all that follow him. And it manifests itself, if you will, sometimes in the physical with the things that we see and the things that we're challenged with um, in life. Uh, and that's really what I want to focus on um, tonight. So I have a scripture from Luke 18. It's a parable. I don't actually hear a ton of sermons. I, I, don't, I, can't, I couldn't recall a single sermon uh, or even class in my life um, where somebody actually taught about this parable to me, um, which I thought was very interesting because I think it has very uh, profound implications in it. Uh, I don't want to make them too simple. In fact, I think it's very deep scripture, and I find that as I was researching it, a lot of people wanted to make this a really simple uh, passage, and I think it's much deeper than that. So let's go ahead and get into it for tonight. Um, the, the chapter uh, of the Bible we're going to be in is Luke 18. Um, I only have a few scriptures for you, so the more you comment and the more they uh, read your comments to me, the better class will go. And Steve, again, if I get out of camera, just yell at me too, because I'm moving a little bit more than I thought I would. Um, that's okay, because when I think, my feet move. Okay. Luke 18 says this, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So that is the key focus uh, that we want to start on tonight, is this idea that we always should be praying and we should never um, lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, 
I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. So let's recap real quick. So we got a woman who's been violated and we don't really get the, the scenario of how that happened. But we have this woman who she has been wronged and she is seeking justice in her life. She is seeking justice against her adversary. And unfortunately for her, she gets sent to a judge that really doesn't care. He doesn't fear God. He doesn't care uh, about her justice. He really is probably self-absorbed. He cares about himself and what makes life easy for him. And that's where she finds her victory. That's where the parable turns to her in her favor. Because it's because of the fact that she will not leave the judge alone. She will not allow him to get away with overlooking her case. And it's because of that that she eventually receives justice. Because the rest of the scripture says that because... She will not beat me down by her continual coming. He did not want her to beat him down by her continual coming. In other words, have you ever had someone who wanted to talk to you on the phone, but you didn't want to talk to them on the phone? I think everybody's been in that scenario before, right? I have a friend, I'm not going to mention his name, but he was once a kid in our youth group. And Let's hope it's not Bubba, because he tuned in, too. It's not Bubba. <laughs> hey, Bubba, what's up, buddy? Um, but I have a friend who used to, he used to call and call and call. While he was a kid in the youth group, he was much more respectful. But as he became older, if he wanted my attention, he would call and call and call. I could be doing something important, come back to my phone, and have 20 missed calls. Because of that, I always called him back. Because of that, even when I didn't want to, I always called him back. Because I knew if I didn't call him back, he would keep calling and calling and calling. That's exactly the position that this judge is in. He's saying, look, she finds me in the street. She finds me in my office. Everywhere I go, she's there. She won't leave me alone. Now remember, this is a judge that is not worried about justice. He's not worried about finding the truth. He's not worried about um, making sure wrongs are righted. He's not worried about any of that. He doesn't fear God. He doesn't care about her. He simply did it because of her persistence. That's why he did it. So she would leave him alone. Now, this is where the scripture changes because this is where it turns back to God being the judge of all of us, right? God is our judge, and he is not a judge that does not care about justice. He is not a judge that does not have uh, your best interests in mind. He is not a judge that's not worried about righting wrongs, right? He is a judge that loves you and cares for you, and that's exactly what the Scripture says. And it says, verse 7, And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So this is what he's saying. He flips it and he says, look, if this woman, if this, if we're being honest, right, if this oppressed woman 
can persistently knock on the judge's door, persistently seek the judge out in public, right? Persistently ask the judge to do something about it. If this woman can get justice from an unjust judge, we should be able to get the things that we pray for from God because our judge cares about us. He cares about us. I'm wondering if any of you have a response that, uh, that you want them to read off to me or if there's anybody who wants to add anything to the conversation, please um, feel free to just type in anything. They'll, they'll say it to me. I'll stop at any time. It might be a little bit uh, herky-jerky, but I think that's, the, that's probably the best way to do this. So if you have anything, feel free to put it in the comments and uh, we'll make sure that that gets read so I can at least... Uh, comment on it myself or, uh, or just so other people can hear your thoughts. Um, but I need them read to me so I know. You can probably read them on the screen. So, as you heard, you probably knew I was going to go to this scripture. Because this is a very important scripture when it comes to when we seek and when we pray to God. It's a scripture we all know well. I love using scripture we know well. Because it's not something that you're going to need to go back and look at again to remind you what it says. You already know. You already know this scripture. But how much do we honestly apply it to our own lives? How much are we honestly seeking God, asking God, knocking on the door? So I want to read it for you real quick and then I want to uh, maybe take it in a way, maybe st talk about it in a way that um, uh, it doesn't just necessarily jump off the page. But it says, ask and it will be given to you. This is Matthew 7, starting in verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. And this is, again, think about how he used the un- just judge and compared it back to God the Father being the righteous judge. And then think about uh, what he does here in this scripture because he, he, he also kind of flips the scenario again. He says, Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, and I know that might hurt to hear when Jesus says that we are evil, but you know, the scripture is pretty clear that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and therefore we're separated from God, which and, until we accept Jesus Christ through the blood of his sacrifice as our Lord and Savior, that's exactly what we are. Even after we change, we still have these evil tendencies in us that we are battling again, not going to the physical manifestation of the war that we sometimes see and can see clearly at times, but the spiritual. These things that are happening within, these things that are happening all around that really we don't always uh, have any idea about that's going on. So, if you then who are evil, who know how to give a good gift to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Now, I don't know about you, but when my son says he's hungry, when any of my sons say they're hungry, my first response is, what do you want? What do you want? Because it, 
not only do I want to feed them, but I want to feed them specifically what they want. I want them to get what they want. Okay? Now, obviously, good parents don't just give their kids candy and McDonald's because my kids ask for McDonald's every time I ask them what they want. Okay? Um, but what do you want? And we'll go through the options and we'll let them decide. Um, and this is what happens. Now, the interesting thing is this, and this is where I want to get into our culture a little bit and really explain some things about um, our prayer life, our persistency, and, um, and the difference that we experience in life versus how we what we experience from God. Okay, So let me say it like this. When your child asks you for something that you want to give them, that you want them to have, how quickly does it take for you to give them that? That is a question. I hope there's going to be some comments on the page. When your child asks you for something that you want to give them, how quickly do you respond to that? Anybody commenting? Nobody. Not even your mom. Not even my mom. I mean, that's typical, that's typical for class. <laughs> I can't throw them candy through the screen, can I? <laughs> well, we'll just go ahead and monologue the rest of it, but I would love for some comments, so I'm going to keep begging for them from time to time. Um, because uh, this oh, is... Your mom tunes in. She says, as quick as she can. As quick as she can. Thank you, Mom. Is that true? That's true. That's true. I didn't want to put words in her mouth, though. As quick as you can. That is, that is, I think, the reality of most parents. I think probably all of us feel that exact same way, right, Doug? Don't you feel that way? Yeah. If they're asking for something within reason and you want to give it to them, you try to get it to them as quick as you can. Why isn't God like that? Why isn't God like that? Why, when we pray for things that we know... God wants to give us. For example, why did that widow, I know it's just a parable, but follow me for a second. Why did that widow have to repetitively go and find justice, seek it out for herself? Why didn't God just give it to her? Why, doesn't that, why isn't that the part of the parable where, oh, she wasn't getting any justice, so she prayed one time to God and she received it? Why doesn't God... Give us the things that we want, that he wants to give us, immediately, as soon as he can. I have a few things I want to share. Oh, get too close. I have a few things. Has we got more comments? Yeah, your mom says he wants us to come to him. He wants us to come to him. Mom, you're getting ahead of me. You're getting ahead of me. Um, but that's a good comment. And I agree with you. But I was thinking in my own life, with my persistent prayer life, um, which I'll be honest and admit to you, some days it's really good, usually it goes in periods, right? And it, a lot of times it depends on what's going on in life. Sometimes I get distracted by the world just like everybody else. And sometimes my prayer life suffers because of that. I'm not um, trying to justify that because the whole point is that we need to be persistent in all times. We need to, in all times, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, 
We need to be persistent in our prayer life, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And there's a lot of reasons why God doesn't give us what we want just the second we ask for it. Um, so the first one that I was thinking about was kind of goes back to another uh, example that I, um, that I had uh, in my own life. I remember there was a girl who I had a big crush on for a long time when I was young. Um, and, you know, um, I just thought she was beautiful. Uh, I just wanted her attention. I thought she was nice. And so I would put myself in positions, in places, in situations where she was involved because I wanted her attention. I wanted her to focus on me. I wanted to try to present myself in a way that might be, um, for lack of a better word, attractive to her. And this specific girl, she didn't want to give me the time of day. For years, she didn't want to give me the time of day. For years, I pursued her. I tried to be in the same room as her, tried to be in the same conversation as her, tried to be near her. And she didn't want nothing to do with me. Well, it's funny how life works out because a little bit later in life, I met Amy. And all of a sudden, that girl that I've been chasing and pursuing and wanting attention from for years, all of a sudden, she too, all of a sudden, she wanted my attention. And I'll tell you the truth. It felt good to ignore her. It felt good to ignore her because she ignored me for so many years while I was wanting her attention that it actually felt good to ignore her. I didn't feel like I had achieved something. I didn't feel like uh, I'd finally arrived. It felt good, just simply good. I'm not saying this was the right attitude, but this is where I was at. It felt good to ignore her. Clearly, I made the right choice as the two girls in that story one I'm still married to and very happy and blessed to be. Um, but I think sometimes, sometimes when we get in this persistent place in our life with our conversation, our communication with God, don't you think that God desires that at all times? Don't you think that God wants that at all times? Wouldn't you want that if you were God? I mean, the scriptures make it really clear that we are everything to God. Just like your child is everything to you, we are everything to God. So that's the first thing I want you to think of from, from God's perspective. If he just gave us everything that we asked for as soon as we asked for it too, what does that really make? When you give your kid everything they want the second they ask for it, what does that turn them into? Does that turn them into grateful children? Does it? Not typically. Not typically. Very rarely are you going to give a kid everything he wants and he's going to be a grateful, wonderful adult when he grows up, right? He's going to be a spoiled brat. That's what he's going to be. He's going to be used to getting what he wants when he wants, and when he doesn't get what he wants, he doesn't know how to handle life, and therefore also he turns into a screamer. He turns into a temper tantrum person. He turns into somebody who can't control their emotions and doesn't know how to deal with when they don't get what they want. These are simple explanations of why sometimes we, even though God wants to give us these things, even though God is our Father and wants to give us stuff, 
We're his children. We're his children. Scriptures also talk about discipline, right? And how God disciplines us in our lives. Right? You think God wants to discipline us? Was that part of God's plan originally to discipline us? No, he gave us a perfect paradise in the Garden of Eden. Now that's part of the process too. Because of who we are, not because of who he is. If that makes any sense at all, let me know. Here's the second one. Sometimes prayer life, sometimes prayer doesn't get answered as quickly as we want it to because while we're working on our prayer life, I think this is a really good one, while we're working on our prayer life, God is also working on us. Sometimes you won't get the answer that you're looking for until you've completed the journey that you have to walk. To me, that's just the reality in life. And there's more reasons that I'm going to build upon that, but I want you to think about that. Sometimes you don't get the answer to your prayer until you've taken the steps you need to in your own life to arrive to that place where you can handle that answer, to where you can handle that blessing, to where you can handle that moment in your life. I think there's a real reality to that, that sometimes God doesn't give us exactly what we want, exactly when we want it, because there's a journey involved that gets us to a place where we're ready for what we're looking for, for we can, where we can handle um, what we're looking for. So what else is pray, praying persistently reveals a lot of things, too. For example, I don't know if you've experienced this or not in your own life, but it's, this is something I've certainly experienced in my life. Sometimes when I pray for something persistently, like, I'll give you a perfect example. When Nathan was, uh, when I found out that Amy was pregnant with Nathan, I began praying immediately. I began praying very specific things uh, for Nathan. And I prayed them persistently from the beginning almost to the end. Almost to the end. Why do I say that? Because your prayer, when you start praying for something persistently, it actually shows you, it actually starts to reveal for you the real desire that you have for that prayer. It actually starts to show you your real desire that you have for that prayer. So sometimes what it starts at and what it ends at ends up being two different things because what you thought you wanted or what you thought you desired actually changes over time because you actually hone in on what you're really looking for. See, what you thought you wanted and what you ended up really wanting after you had time to think about it changed. Maybe that's why God doesn't always answer our prayer right on time. Because over time, my prayer can change, becoming clearer and deeper. Okay? Let me give you another one. Sometimes my persistency in my prayer life reveals my priorities. Sometimes when I pray, I don't get what I want exactly when I want it because I'm not praying for the right thing. Because my prayer that I desire is not in line with the will of God. Sometimes it reveals my priorities. 
It reveals what's important to me. And sometimes that's just as important as my prayer being answered. How about this one? Sometimes when I am persistently praying about a specific thing, over time it reveals for me the way my heart and my mind are changing. It reveals it to me. Because just like my desire changes, just like I realize maybe my priorities are off track a little bit, when I come to these realizations, it helps me realize how God is changing my, heart, my mind and my heart. If any of these are ringing a bell with any of you or you want to comment, feel free. Ironically, our software has a persistent comment problem. Steve made one comment and has repeated itself 100 times. We're having a persistent comment problem. All right, can they hear you on that? They can? Okay. Um, let me say the last one real quick before we move on to the next scripture. My persistency in my prayer life, you know what else it reveals? My mom will tell you this, since she's on, I'll, I'll plug her. My mom will tell you this. If you don't ever think God's listening to your prayers, start a prayer journal. And you can go back through time and see how much God has answered your prayers in your life. You can literally go back in time and see how much God has answered your prayers in life. You know what else you can do? All the other stuff we just talked about. You can see how your heart and your mind has changed over time. You can see how your desires and your priorities have changed over time. But more importantly than that, you can see the ultimate thing that a persistent prayer life reveals. That God is still in control. That God has always been in control. That God will always be in control. And I know we've all heard that sometimes in your prayer life you get a yes, sometimes you get a no, and sometimes you get a wait or or keep praying. But this is a time to be praying. And that's why I wanted to focus on that. This is a time to be faithful in our prayer life. Because a lot of people are being tested in our world in all kinds of ways. And we need to be praying for ourselves, that we remain steadfast for our families, that we remain uh, calm and peaceful in our houses. Um, that God can be glorified in our families. And we need to be praying for this country and our world. Not only as we battle a pandemic, but also as we deal with division, as we deal with injustice as we deal with justice, as we deal with hatred. These are powerful tools of the devil. But our prayer life can defeat them in our lives, in our houses, in our communities, 
and throughout all the world. One of the things I love about God's promise to us is it doesn't matter where we're at in our life. It doesn't matter what's going around, on around us in our situation. It really doesn't matter what all this is in life. It doesn't matter. Here's the reality. If your life is not going the direction you want it to, and I'm not talking providential gospel. I'm not talking prosperity gospel. Okay, I am talking providential gospel. I'm not talking prosperity gospel. Okay? But if your life is not heading in the direction you want it to, it's probably because you're heading away from God. And the scripture is very clear that all we have to do in all situations is repent, right? That's what it means. Turn around. Turn back to God. And he will not only heal us, he will not only heal our lands, as the scripture says over and over and over again, but it actually says that the devil will flee from you and God will draw near to you. That's the power of prayer. It's not just something that sounds good, it's real. You ever have a struggle that was hard to overcome? You know how much harder it is to do something you know is against the will of God when you're praying about it regularly? A lot of times we avoid praying about those things regularly because we don't really want to change. But then we complain about our lives in the direction they're heading because we know we need to change, but we don't want to change. So that brings me to this. Genesis 32. Genesis 32. 22 through 28. It says, The same night he arose, this is Jacob, and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children. Are we back up for comments? Do we have any? Okay, just make sure. Let's go again back to Genesis 32. Let me start over. The same night he arose and took his two wives and two female servants and his 11 children and crossed the fort of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob, was, and Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he, and he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with man and have prevailed. I don't claim to know everything about every situation. I don't claim to even fully understand everything that's going on right now. Sometimes I struggle with where I'm supposed to be in this situation. How I'm supposed to preach. What am I supposed to talk about? What do the people need to hear? Right now with everybody at home, sometimes I struggle to always keep my temper. To have plenty of patience 
as all the kids are yelling at me because of something they need. Fighting for my attention. Creating messes everywhere they go. And yeah, they help clean up some, but you know who does most of it. Same in your house as mine, parents. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to wrestle in your faith. It's okay to wrestle with God. Think about David. David was a man after God's own heart, right? You ever wrestle with God? Maybe not the same way Jacob did physically. But you can read those Psalms. Were you going to say something? That's what I was going to say. I was going to say, you can see it in the Psalms. It's almost like he kept a lifelong journal. You see it in a piece here, you see a piece here, you see a piece here. It's always on his mind, but it's included in multiple Psalms as he struggled with God. Yeah. I mean, there are times in his life where he knows God's right beside him, right? And he feels completely protected by God. There are times in his life where he could have done things. Saul's trying to kill him almost David's whole life. Almost since the day David and Saul meet, Saul's trying to kill him. There's plenty of times where David could have killed Saul. But he doesn't because he knows it's not right with God. And then there are other times in his life where you can read in the Psalms just like Doug was saying. Where are you? I'm surrounded by the enemy. Where are you? This is clear in Scripture. It's okay to wrestle. It's okay to struggle. In fact, sometimes I think our biggest mistake is is that we don't question. We feel like we can't question. Some of the most difficult questions reveal the most important truths. But you have to ask them to get there. Okay, I thought, I thought you were going to say something, sorry. Um, this is the other thing that I love about this scripture. And I'll, I'll tell you, I've, I've struggled with this scripture since I was a kid. One, I struggle with the fact that a man can wrestle with, it's the angel of the Lord, right? I struggle with how a man can hold down a spiritual being. I struggle with how, let's just throw it out there and say, maybe, you know, there's theories that it could be God too, right? It could literally, the angel of the Lord, I've heard the theories that the angel of the Lord could be Jesus of the Old Testament, right? So let's just play with that idea for a second. Maybe it is. How does a man hold down God? How does a man say to God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me? I mean, it takes one touch, one touch. And the hip is dislocated, and Jacob walks with a limp for the rest of his life. So what does this reveal? This reveals that through struggle comes blessing. And this is what I'm going to tell you. Again, I'm not talking about prosperity gospel. I'm not promising you that the closer you walk to God, the better your portfolio is going to look. Okay? I'm not promising you that the closer you walk to God, the better neighborhood and the nicer house you're going to have and the nicer car you're going to drive. But I am talking about providential gospel. Where the closer you walk to God, 
the more God will provide for you. And when God is providing for you, the happier and truly joyful you will become. Think about happiness as it comes and goes, but the thing about joy is it never leaves. See, the worst day in my life can happen, but my joy, my hope, which gives me my joy, cannot be taken away. Because my hope and my joy don't come from this world. They're eternal. They're things that are not of this world. So they can't be affected by it. So it's okay to wrestle with God. It's okay to struggle with your faith. It's okay to wrestle and ask tough questions and wait and pray persistently and wait for those answers. So again, I just want to challenge you. Be persistent in your life. Be persistent in your faith. Be persistent in your prayer life. And here's the promise. Here's what I'm asking you to do, actually, not the promise. But I do think it's the promise that the Scripture reveals. Hold on to God. Cling to Him. Don't let Him go. And you will be blessed. That's all I got. Is there any other comments or anything before we go? Doug's got something to say, but the mic's acting up. Hold on. The president preempted you on YouTube, so it's only on Facebook Live, so you lost half your viewers. Really? We have no idea what happened there. All right, well. So. He did what? I don't even know what that means. Well, Trump was listening in, everybody, so we're doing something. Okay. There was a Trump video playing in the background. Oh, okay, so we had a little technical difficulty, so we're sorry for anybody who, uh, we're sorry for that. Is there anybody still on? Mike and Sue said they are freeing up and skipping on Facebook. Freezing up and skipping? Oh, yeah, they were freezing up on YouTube, and they moved over to Facebook. All right, well, thanks for everybody coming. If there's any comments, share them now, and I'll, uh, We can address them before we conclude. Give it another 30 seconds real quick. Back up. (laughs) Keep your social distancing, Matt. Keep my social distancing. Even from the camera. All right, well, let's go ahead and cut it for now. All right, thanks for tuning in. We'll try this again next Wednesday night. Mike will be here then. This coming Sunday, Mike will do both sermons. Find our sign-up page through Sign Up Genius and that awesome speakeasy password. Uh, We hope to see you soon.